Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at... The amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 And be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds argue with each other. (laughs) All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. Welcome to the fourth pillar of play, a night shift radio production where we support your adventure in tabletop game design by discussing, learning, and creating right alongside you. Hey, Talon. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? Fantastic. Yeah. I got a little bit of a headache. We had a a little bit of a night out yesterday with everybody. Yeah. We had everyone out. And and I got there well before everyone else did. It just means you, did you pregame before everyone got there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> because <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Exactly. It was a beautiful sunny day in upstate New York. Oh my gosh, yes. We like were getting our, our unseasonable mm-hmm. warmth. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. For yeah, like, I'm waiting for the ice storm. There's always one ice storm. April ice storm. Yep, something hits. I bought a. I bought three more blueberry bushes for the backyard to start my blueberry farm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should plant them yet. Now's the time. It's that feeling of renewal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I, as I sit here like apologetically gross from doing yard work you're doing fine so but speaking of like nature and like getting in there in the weeds so to speak yeah what is it we're doing today uh the verge warden which is our i don't know i'm like it's our improvement it's our version our subclass of the ranger but then with all this prep we've done i'm like i don't even know if it'll be a ranger by the time my imagination's you know what if by the time that happens we make something different then so be it but so our so on one hand we are developing our verge warden which we've envisioned right from the very beginning as a ranger subclass that specializes in the verge yeah and revergent magic and chaos and all that stuff and getting you through it and getting you through it and defending against it and saving people lost in it and and also utilizing it offensively Mm mm-hmm um, secondarily to that is just learning how to, again, under the, you know, the thesis of the show, yeah. learning how to write a subclass because I've never done it. I've made many monsters. I've never made a subclass. Right. Um, the only time I've ever done any type of class would have been way back in the Palladium days during the Rift, Rift oh. books. We created, um, Predators oh. from the movie so you could play as a Predator. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it didn't use near as much philosophy as you and I both <laughs> came in contact with in preparation for this. Probably not. It Did, was just isn't there like, a predator-like race you can play in pathfinder didn't you show me some race that yeah, is that's sort an, of a predator yes i know what you're talking about it's it's oh, i cannot remember the, the name i'm pretty with sure the elemental dwarves in it too I'm, yep uh Mwangi expanse um uh, i'm pretty sure it's expanse. in there because they look 
scary like like predators but that's the whole point i guess they are they look like almost like horse trying to remember i will have to look it up because they had they were very cool looking um but that was their whole thing their masks were to intimidate you and they have they had an otherwise uh docile nature (laughs) um so i'll put a note uh a show note for the mwangi expanse book in case someone's interested in looking at that that's a great book uh so in preparation for learning how to develop our own subclass, we are going to go back to one of the one of the tenants that we have been doing on this show, which is going back to some professionals, seeing what they say, and discussing it as our first step. Mm-hmm. So our first step today, we're actually going to be discussing two different, I'm going to use air quotes that people can't see, texts. Yep. Um, both of which are videos. Yep. Yep. We decided to take the approach of you watch a video about subclass making from the Dungeon Dudes. Yep. And I watched one from... Jeremy Crawford himself, so lead game design. Is he head of game design? Yeah, for at D&D. Wizards of the Coast for D and D. Yeah, so and so if you're not aware, Dungeon Dudes, um, who's I'm going to blank on their their real names. Uh, one of their names is Monte, and you're sure uh, they're not Dungeon and Dude? It's not Dungeon and Dude, but they are. They're they're pretty good. They're they're, they're yeah, a great, very popular yeah. YouTube channel, and they just yep. released a great adventure book, The uh, Dungeons of Drakenheim. Well, I know they help my wife understand D and D immensely. Yeah, they just, do. They do really good, good at, educational at, videos. Yeah, and they're awesome. Like that. They're very good. But they did a video recently because they've got a Kickstarter that just ended that was a splat book for their Drakenheim setting, and in it they had some What's subclasses. A splat book? I don't know what that. Oh, is. a splat book. Yeah, I don't know. What okay, that is. so the splat book is a phrase from my three point five days. Mm-hmm. Um. In 3.5, there was a lot of books that came out that weren't adventures. They were player supplements. Mm -hmm. And they were uh, things like The Complete Fighter, The Complete Mage, The Complete Ranger, The Complete Druid. So I'm aware of those. I see those. They're just old. They're a book you would buy like, oh, I'm playing a fighter right now. I'll buy The Complete Fighter. And there'd be a whole crap load of fighter options. And a lot of the times they were very fluff over crunch, but then they had a, a, some rules and things like that. And especially in 3.5 days, they'd have prestige classes and okay. weapons and Stuff things that, like that. Stuff that they just can't include in a player's handbook without making it... It was basically delving deeper into detail. Britannica. Yeah. And then, I mean, massive. 3.5 also had player's handbook too. Right. And it also had, you know, like I said, these complete books. So when I say splat book, that's the equivalent in 5th edition would be a Tasha's or a Xanathar's. Oh, okay. Okay. I call those splat books. Okay, so they did a Dungeons of Drakenheim splat book. book. Okay, um, it is the uh, it's basically the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Only it's their own guy, and it's the Guide to Drakenheim. Oh, okay. So more detail. I mean, because that seemed like a pretty fleshed out world from the book. So yeah. Well, see, in the adventure. Oh, so it is. Uh, yes, Kelly McLaughlin and Monty Martin. Yep. Um, and the Drakenheim campaign is isolated to one village and a city. Yeah. That's it. Right. There's like a couple of paragraphs about the greater world. Again, invisible air quotes. Yeah. But as far as that's concerned, it's really, it's a very hyper-focused game. It is, the point is, there are factions. You Mm -hmm. are making friends with some while making enemies of others while exploring into this cursed, you know, eldritch ruined city. Right. In order to figure out what happened defeat, conquer, protect, I mean, stop it seems, the spread. It seems pretty well put together as a book because that's the one you literally picked up practically no prep for yeah. your D&D club that that's, you run at the school. I run it in school and I and I don't have a lot of time to prep it very much. So I, I take a gander at it and I kind of run from there. And there's a couple of times I've had to like do a little bit like, wait, what? But it's, <laughs> right. it's a very well-designed adventure. I like it. So if nothing else, I think that they, that book proves their, their pedigree when it comes to game design. Mm-hmm. So I very much... 
like their work. Yeah. So they did a video on designing subclasses. And Jeremy Crawford also did a video on designing subclasses, both of which will be linked to in our show notes. Yeah. And you watched one, I watched the other, and we're going to compare them. So yeah. do you want to go first? Should we go point by point? Well, um, how I should we do this? I guess I'll just... I don't know. I'll go first, I guess. And yeah, then I mean, as I read, he's the official D and D guy. Sure. And then as I read, just jump in. Okay. And go, Sounds you know good. Funny. They said. Blah, All right. Blah, blah. I'm assuming that'll happen a lot. Um. So, and I really bullet bullet pointed it. Yeah. It looks like maybe it looks like you did too. But I love a good bullet point. So one of the first things he says. So his video is in part two. I assume we'll link them. Um. His first part. You know. He, he, Make sure that your subclass brings something to the story, which I think you started to find the same thing. There's a lot of philosophical. It's it is less technical than I expected. That, the process. I discovered that as well. It is less technical and less mechanical, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of philosophy and thought process to it. Yeah. So his the, the what they what they start with is what does the subclass bring to a given story, an environment, a setting? Um, what can it add that other subclasses can't? Okay. You know, be aware of that. Um, he says balance is important, but he doesn't think it's primary in the beginning parts of the design process. Yeah, I feel like balance is a thing you come at the end. Yeah, I think balance is is balance is, seems really hard to quantify. There's a couple of really cool tricks for balance that the Dungeons Dudes talks about that we'll get into later. They actually okay. specifically have some. Hey, when you're doing powers, here's a good way of checking balance. Yeah. Um, he also says that what they do, what, you know, his suggestion is you build from an archetype, like imagine what you want them doing, imagine what you want them pulling out, you know, and then he says literally, you know, write a little story, like a little story text uh, about a member of the class and use that like a mission statement. See, that's fascinating. So the first step with the Dungeon Dudes video was mm-hmm. very similar. They start with the phrase, what is the fantasy? Mm-hmm. By that, they mean the story. Which is something I know they've they've mentioned that in multiple. Like, what's your fantasy um, for playing this? Theirs. Yep, yeah. Your power fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. So, what is your fantasy, and what makes it stand out? Yep. And then, the, but they also say like, look at archetypes from pop culture. Yep. And but this one was a part that it seems like they divert a little bit from Jerry, Jeremy Crawford here. Mm-hmm. They say, don't worry about overlap. Don't worry oh, if it okay. overlaps with other subclasses. That's right. fine. There are subclasses that overlap. Don't well, worry about it. Yeah. So he does. Yeah, he does mention that later about overlap, specifically. Okay. You know, it, it's okay if they do the same thing another subclass can do, but they do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he does mention that. I just don't remember. Where. His was definitely later, because I, I did write it down. But you keep going with, you know. So after talking about that, like, so, and they said the same thing, right? One to three paragraphs describing the lore of the subclass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Um, Right. And so he said the same thing, but he also says, um, let the subclass, you know, look at the other subclasses for Ranger. You know, what do they do? And don't be afraid to let that inform aspects of yours. That is the next exact thing <laughs> you know, that they Dungeon Dude said. They said, look yeah. at class templates. Look at the other templates for that subclass or and other subclasses and see mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of approach is it taking at a level by level as it goes because all subclasses have basically some basically they have levels where they're they trigger something yeah and so make sure that you can kind of look at like okay well it triggers it three five seven nine fifteen twenty whatever right so when you look at the at the progression list in the player's handbook there's always um you know, you get an extra attack, you get a this. Oh, no, this level you get subclass class feature. feature. Subclass yeah, so, feature, you know. yeah. So that it provides you, so you have that to use as a template for as you are developing. So now we start with have a story, have it fleshed out for what you want to do, have a basic, you know, what is the key thing you want them doing, mm-hmm. and then take an existing class template for that class, 
or subclass yep. template and kind of start you know doing a side by side where you want things to happen yeah, so so then, far these guys are yeah and then he specifically aligned. references to like this idea of like kind of like fill in any uh, special buckets that might exist for a given class and like, what does the, he mean by a bucket well the example he means is like if you're going to make a cleric subclass all clerics need like um, a channel divinity sure yeah uh, define you know specific magics that you know specific magic types that you need to kind of remember to focus on and see if there's something that they that are that a ranger subclass would require to still feel like it was a ranger right i think is, you, is and there's a lot of things like that include things like expanded spell lists mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they say like okay so make sure when you're picking your you, you're picking an expanded spell list that matches up that's probably actually in my opinion one of the easier steps right because that the expanded spell list allows you to pull from oddball spell lists you know it might not normally be a ranger spell but you can pull it because of the expanded spell list yeah and what does he say next uh, you know and then he says when you've kind of got the ideas down make sure that you didn't essentially duplicate another subclass and that's 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 the key that's the yeah. kicker like oh i wanted them to do this Rangers already, by definition, sort of straddle the line of fighter mixed with druid. Yep. So making sure that, well, I'm going to make a, a ranger subclass that just makes it more like a druid. Well, that's... Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of essentially it's what he was getting at, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, make sure that it's something, you know, basically make sure you didn't just skin it over the other. You know, mm -hmm. like, we could easily, and we could, right? We could easily take the Drake Warden. Sure. And just But go, I think it needs fixing. Right, yeah, you know, like um, I'm gonna give him instead of a dragon, he gets a talon cat, and instead of at level fifteen, exactly, way too late, way too late, you know, full fully realized, way too late in the mm -hmm. game. Um, but you know, you could just skin it, and we could end up with kind of the same thing. But he's saying, but if you're creating one, kind of be aware of whether or not you're you're doing that. Okay. Or are you just skinning it? So that means know? okay. So I'm, I'm as we're doing this, I'm I'm mentally starting to generate a list of what do we need to do for our subclass that we're going to be creating. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, the dungeon dude said next that they should you should consider your action economy when designing. This was when they got really mechanical. Okay. They said consider your action economy. Don't make everything an action. Don't make everything a bonus action. Don't make everything a reaction mm -hmm. because if you don't have a mix of actions, bonus actions, and reactions, then you're going to end up designing a class that doesn't allow you to do everything you want to do as neatly as you want to do them, I'm, or as I'm often as you want to do them. through because at some point he said something similar to that, and I'm trying to remember exactly where I wrote it as far as action economy goes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, make sure he. he yeah, it doesn't. So he did say it at some point that basically make sure that the action economy is also not redundant. I'm trying to remember the example he gave, but it was something along the lines of don't give them something to do after they run out of options. I'm, I'm going to go back and rewatch it. I'm going to have to because he does say something about action economy. He doesn't really talk much about it overall, though. That's why it's like. Right. I, honestly, in my bullet points, I didn't write it down because he doesn't talk all that much about the mechanics well, of that's it. Fair. Not a ton. So, but I'm like, when you say it, I'm like, yeah, he did say something, but I it didn't, I can't exactly remember. This one was one that jumped out to me as they were going through theirs. Um, they said, don't make the keystone or iconic mechanic a late level thing. And all I could think about was the Drake Warden. Was the Drake Warden, yeah. That's... Where the, the entire premise of a Drake Warden is that you're supposed to, you're a ranger who flies a dragon. Eventually. And I, I know yeah. they they would probably argue, no, it's a ranger that has a dragon companion. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. But but, but I, mean, I want to ride it. Yeah, and it's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it, but I, by the time... We would never have gotten up to the level where I would have really no. been able to fly. You would have to just rule of cool. We were, going to, we were going to hit level 15 
basically only for the final battle. Right. And then what what, what would have been the point at that point? Exactly. Because yeah. he was also planning on being inside. So <laughs> Right. Um, but I thought that was interesting that they said, instead of putting your keystone or iconic ability late in the progression of the subclass, put it in the beginning and then make later level powers enhance or expand that key Yeah, I, don't, I definitely agree with that. So that... And that's, I mean, honestly, again, they would probably argue that's what the Drake Warden does. You get your dragon early, then it gets bigger and you can ride it, then it gets bigger and you can fly on it. Yeah. But still, I, and but they also make a point, listen, an ability at level, you know, above level 13, mm-hmm. they say, is not going to get a lot of play. Yeah. If your most impressive ability is after level 13, then that's not really useful. Yep. That's where I feel the Drake Warden fails. And and And... Jeremy Crawford mentions something like that. And actually, he says something really interesting in the video at one point where he pretty much outright says that um, levels one and two are for people who have never played before. Yeah. He says they design with the expectation that people have played, that people have played, and they're just going to start all their characters at three. See, I always start at level one and two. I start mm-hmm. at level one, and with the exception of a couple things, Curse of Strahd, I start at three. Right. Because I hate the Death House adventure. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I just I just want to get right into you know Barovia and all of its fun and fun and glitter. Yeah, but for the he most says, part, he says most part he's like most parties don't start with one and two unless they wow. have with they have new people. He goes and, well, it was like that tweet we came across and, and you know, I definitely don't know who it is. If most people really like to start at three and they don't go much further than thirteen or fourteen in there, then why not just have one through ten and make them equivalent? Yeah, wasn't that the um, guy who uh, Robert Schwab? Was that Schwab? Schwab? Schwab does say that. Yeah, I mean that is the because uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord, right? Presumably, weird, you know, Shadow of the Weird Wizard is going to use which that have same one premise. through ten levels. Yeah, because you just do it and then you're done, and and that was by design there too, because he wanted you to be able to finish the you know finish a game and start another one. Right, because it was never intended for long term campaigning because the world right. ends. Yeah, it's supposed to be the world is ending, so everyone's <laughs> got to yeah. Um. So yeah, late uh, late powers should enhance lower level powers, and then oh, here was where they said where. The, this is going to be the part that I'm never going to be good at, mm-hmm. is to consider the cheesing. Um, cheesing. Consider the cheese, Josh. The so, cheese. So then that's that's theory crafting and yes. that kind of silliness. Yeah. yeah. Um, they say consider multi-classing. Don't well, put your has... most powerful stuff right at the very beginning either, because then people can just be like, well, I'm going to level dip. Yeah. he um, Actually, Jeremy Crawford puts that in nearer to the end where he's just like, okay, now you have it. You're feeling like you have it in a good place. Um, now you have to do a multitasking reality check. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is somebody's paladin going to be able to swoop in and, you know, he doesn't give an example, but, you know, all of a sudden have the ability to, how about for Drake Warden, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be neat if you were a paladin who could somehow manage to swing in and now you have a dragon to ride around? Right. You know, and so he says, do a multi-classing reality check after you've come up with the whole thing and see if, is see if people are just, I think what he was really getting at is see if people are just not going to use your multi, your, your subclass at all. They're just, not going to play your subclass. They're, they're going to use your subclass. Pick up three levels just yeah. to get the first thing. Yeah, so I can get that cool thing right there that allows me to do this cool thing and then move on. As we criticize this, the Hexblade Warlock is sitting in the corner covering their face, hoping that no one notices them. Right, right, because they know it's funny. It is funny because of, you know, Jeremy Carver seems like a really nice and definitely smart guy, and it's just so funny to hear him say these things, and I'm just like, well, you missed this one. Yeah. You definitely missed that one. I mean, how many memes know? have there been about like, oh, how many levels do you... You know, yeah. which Warlock class, and then like the Hexblade, everyone picks up a couple levels of Hexblade right. because right. it's just, heck, I mean, Warlock, a level one dip in Warlock is super powerful. Well, currently, um, don't clerics get their, uh, 
their their domain bonus right at the first like their big thing is right on level I, one uh possibly i don't recall yeah, off the top of my head. I, I feel like that's what can happen so if you're something and you need some kind of quick healing you just take one level of cleric and you're able to have access mm-hmm. to um whatever well, their divine circle is and I think. similar with fighter i mean picking up a level of fighter fighter is very mm-hmm. efficient like mm-hmm. as long as you meet those uh ability score prerequisites yeah that's the only thing limiting you from like cheesing a, a level of this and a level of that to create some monstrosity. Well, you know, it's all, it's funny as we sit here and talk about it, it's almost like is, you know, cause we were talking about races, the other or races slash lineages slash species, yeah. whatever this hobby settles on though. I safely, I think it's safe to say they won't settle on races, but um, you know, when we're talking about lineages, species, races, um, we're not talking anymore. You know, there's, there's this idea that that's not as set in stone, you know, cause we were talking about, you know, you could, there's, there's no solid race, no solid species on Estrock because they right. inter- and it's almost like, but it, but you have a solid species, you know, a spe- specified species because it just makes it easier for players to get into and to create a character. It's, it's always about ease of creation of character, one less step. Right. And I almost feel like sometimes the classes are that way. You know, it's easier to make them specify, oh, I am a fighter and it's just easier to put the character together, but it would almost be kind of more fun. Well, you know, in other games, it's because I've been reading other game system books. They, they tend to do that where you start off. Um, well, well, I know the Warhammer fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Panic was just telling me does not you do not pick like you're like a fighter but that's because you've been a brewer or a cook up to this point now that's an inherently punishing game (laughs) sure it's not meant to be fluffy and and kind yes exactly but then as you progress you're able to pick up other skills that complement this and i just kind of think that's neat that you could have like a class where i'm going to start off as a fighter but you know i've been seeing that wizard guy for a while but not making it a weird thing, like figure out a way to integrate that into your progression as you mm-hmm. go. You're like, well, I've been hanging out with this wizard and he taught me a lot of these cool spells. I'm still primarily a fighter. I'm still a fighter, but this guy showed me how to concentrate and I can, you know, shoot a magic missile. There is one thing. There's there's something right in 5e that does exactly that. I don't know if you know that. Mm-mm. It's called the magic initiate feat. Oh, okay. So it's a feat that you can... Ch- I always skip over the feats because I end up drowning I know. Well, in them. they're also technically yeah. up till now have been optional. Yeah. The magic initiate feat allows you to pick up a couple of core things from a magic using uh, class. Right. So you See, can be a great. fighter mm-hmm. and you... Let's say you have a decent intelligence as a fighter. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? No, I, I get... You can take magic initiate and you get like a couple of cantrips and a couple of like little things... Well, it would just be handy to have like firebolt on you at all times. Do you know like which that, one yeah. you probably would be more familiar with is in um, Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Percy is yeah. a fighter gunslinger. Yep. He has magic initiate warlock. And that's that explains oh, that the, the patron, the sort of pseudo patron thing he has with the demon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does make sense. Spoilers for Legends of Vox Machina, the cartoon season one. Yeah. Um, but that you basically, and I mean, if you think about it, oh gosh, I want to get a a couple of cantrips from one of these spell cla- casting classes. What would be a good cantrip to pick uh, Eldric Blast? Right, right, of course. <laughs> yes. Like if you were an archer fighter with magic initiate with Eldric Blast, and you're like, oh, I'm out of arrows. Yeah, zing, zing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. So consider multi-classing. Um, they say, hey look at dungeon dudes uh, start talking about like levels at certain abilities or Mm -hmm. abilities at certain levels and they say don't don't worry sometimes you might want to have more than one ability at a level especially if an ability doesn't it doesn't do something mechanical so they do a lot of stuff about balancing when they talk about balance they're talking about balancing 
all three pillars of play, leaving okay. out, of course, the most important one, which right. is the, the fourth pillar the of fourth one. play. Yeah. But the three pillars of play, combat, exploration, role play, if you've got a role play mechanic, mm-hmm. don't worry about combining that at the same level as a, as a combat mechanic. Okay, Because yeah. other, I mean, they say, be careful not to just completely make combat stuff. Do oh, some exploration okay. Okay. stuff. Yeah, Do yeah. some role-playing stuff. Combine them at different levels so that you're getting a, a varied tapestry as you progress. Okay. Um, so don't worry about doing one one ability at a level. Um, specify, uh, do specific utilities for role play and exploration. Um, you can tie them to your major iconic power and sort of make them a reflection of that, a little minor iconic thing. They right. actually called those, they have a word for them in their video. They call them ribbon features. They are, the present is what's in the box. This feature is the ribbon on the box, like the bow. Oh, okay. So okay. it's like, it's a little something extra, extra that's not super powerful, doesn't break the game in any way. Mm-hmm. Make sure to do those because, believe it or not, those are the things that draw players into the immersiveness of the game. When you ask a player, you know, I was thinking about our Curse of Strahd game when uh, my wife picked up her uh, ability to have magic fists. Yeah. Her monk now has magic fists when she punches things. And I said... What do your magic fists look like that sets them apart from a normal fist? And she really liked describing like, oh, they're like, you know, black and smoky. Yeah. Because uh, of her hand of harm, reflection of her hand of harm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so. Cool. Yeah, because he he also, you know, Jeremy Carver does this big thing there where he says, make sure that you understand every term you're using um, okay. when you're describing the character. He goes, because, you know, sometimes he said you're doing these subclasses and something will be like redundant if you give them some kind of movement bonus. But they have, that's what he said, like they have disengage and then they can kind of block each other out because disengage is a movement bonus essentially so um you know and he also said something he had something about make sure that the subclasses are hitting like a similar output target to another subclass at a basic level which again is a guard against uh, cheesing yeah absolutely make sure that on first level you're hitting about as hard as a sub don't give it a subclass bonus that allows it to hit harder than another ranger subclass at that same point. So my last note on my first page here says, use existing mechanics to check your mechanics. Yeah. So yeah. like, look at other level five abilities. Is your level five ability more like a level nine ability in other subclasses? Exactly. Don't do that. So that Which leads them says, into so. my favorite part mm-hmm. where they talk about how to check the power of the abilities against everything else for balance. Mm-hmm. And they said is, look at the spells that would normally be a level available at that level. Okay, yeah. So if you want your character to turn invisible, yep. invisible is a second level spell. So we can't come out the door. Don't have him come out the door. So don't have a level invisible. one character who can turn invisible. Well, okay. That's, well, that's be- an easy shortcut. Yeah. So you yeah. just kind of like, what are the spells, you know, take the different classes and take like, okay, so a wizard gets third level spells that, what, I don't know, when does a, when does a wither, wizard get fireball? Fifth level? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So if you have an ability that's similar to a fireball, make sure you're not getting it at fourth or third level because... Right. You should kind of line. You should. You yeah, should be balancing easy, against other classes. But yeah, that's, that's a quick and easy balance. Considering the varied multitude of things that the spells in the spellbook can do. Yeah, that's a quick way of checking. You know. Yeah, you know. Um, actually, Jeremy Crawford says something similar. Now that I think about it, he had said something. Um, but his was for if you have a feature that you want your subclass to have, but you don't. You want to check to see if in in. Yes, like invisibility, something passive. He's like, check it, anything. Find a spell that's like it and see what level it's at and make sure. Yeah, he said the so same that's, thing. So that's, that's that funny because you're I saying I never would have thought of that. There was one part that I didn't, that I had 
I didn't write down and because he was there was a lot of talking like I can't bullet point this maybe I'll just remember but it's exactly that that's the part <laughs> it's exactly the same thing I wonder how much uh, I'm, I'm sure probably the, the dungeon the dudes egg. probably had watched theirs his or something and, like and, that you know their experience allowed them to pick up a lot mm-hmm. of things too and maybe it's just that universal mm-hmm. well and to people who know what they're doing yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. that's probably right they talk a lot in the dungeon dudes video about how to play test mm-hmm. and they talk about you know play testing um, focus your play testing under uh, what does they say focus your play testing less than level 10 okay yeah, that makes, again that makes sense because that's where yeah. most people play yeah. um you don't need to do as much focus above level 13 yeah that's true so um and they talk about that they like don't try to play a campaign with it just play a couple of one shots at different levels and see how it plays right see how and, he does and then make your edits and then maybe offer it up to a table and say and i don't want to try my subclass that i i wrote specifically for this yeah no it's a good idea no, it's, it's it's very good overall. So that gives us like a kind. I think that gives us kind of a firm foundation. So the first thing we're going to do um, when we develop our Verge Warden, and this is going to be another multi-series, yeah. couple of episodes. But this is our theory episode. We're talking mm-hmm. about that. We're about half an hour in. Yeah. So we've got you know ten fifteen minutes that we can talk about. Yeah. Some of our theory of the Verge Warden. You mean and by yeah, I mean in, in theories the like, fantasy. Josh, what is the fantasy? Well. Um, you know, I was thinking of this actually on the way over. So initially I was giving, but I, all right, again, hot take. I just don't think Aragorn is all that cool. Aragorn's a fighter. Yeah, he's a fighter, right? But like, I like somebody cooler than him. I'm picturing something more. He's sort of, you know, sort of like a paladin. You call him a ranger, right? But he doesn't, and he does certainly does rangery stuff, but um, he's I'm pretty sure Tolkien called him a ranger because he just ranged. Yeah, he just went out he into the wandered. woods. Yeah, he I was a fighter who wandered. Yeah, yeah. So I like you know and i'm i'm mainly going from the movies though i know i'm i did read the books i know he he does a wide ranging more you know he does almost move straight into paladin by the time he embraces his one of my favorite just you know indices uh tidbits of information about aragorn mm-hmm. was that uh, i i think it's in one of the indices where it says that aragorn served as a soldier in gondor when denethor was young was a young man no that's right because i forget that he's Numenor. He's old. yeah he's got Numenor blood of Numenor in him so, so he like he he was like he was like a young Numenor. you know young aragorn was like i'll sign up and i'll be a gondorian soldier just to see what that's like that's funny. back when denethor was like a young guy so he already so he multi-classed from the very from the age. very beginning yeah. he was star- and i'm sorry he's not like wandering the woods as a yeah um although the gondorians the gondorians have their rangers too don't they yeah. I've, what is it? What is Faramir's group called? I don't recall. Yeah, then it gets verily into the weeds for me. But overall, what I'm picturing is something, you know, with the comfort in the wilds as an Aragorn, but definitely more of a melee kind of hit mm-hmm. in my mind, just because I'm figuring Estrach is tougher. Yeah, I picture... So when I think about the fantasy of the Verge Warden, I start by... I rewind a little... I, I zoom out a little bit and I think, okay, so the Verge... Mm-hmm. is a place where nature will take you back if you're not careful. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a place where nature will infect you, mutate you. I'm going to use the word mutate even though it's not really a mutation. Mm-hmm. Will uh, will affect you, mutate you, and then absorb you. Yes. You will be lost. You will no longer be you. Mm-hmm. You will become a tree. You because will become, Estorok is this living thing. Yeah, you will become is, fungus on the side of a rock. Yeah, constantly trying to Along them. that process, you... You know, all of a sudden, there's some things that'll happen. Yeah, before you become a tree, your skin becomes barky and you're harder to hurt. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we already wrote into, when we were developing Revergence, we said, all right, Revergence is a track where it starts by being good 
and then uh, it slippery slopes into being very bad. Right. Yep. So, but essentially it is the world taking you back. The world is aggressive. The world is a giant monster upon which you are scuttling around as an insect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A verge warden Mm -hmm. weaponizes that. Right. Now, it's interesting because on my way over, my thought that I had is, you know, we were, I don't know when to introduce this concept. I think we both have the belief that a Verge Warden can utilize Revergence and utilize Iliaster in ways other people are not comfortable and Correct. not cool with. But what I kind of like is when, um, I kind of like the idea that whatever ability it is to use it is actually charisma based. Okay. But the reason for it is, is I feel like when, um, I think I'd thrown out the idea that, you know, maybe during the day, you know, and on give, any given day, uh, the Verge Warden has to, uh, create almost like a spell focus type of thing. Like he has to have like a feather on him. And then later on in that day, he's able to, you know, you can have a feather, a rock or whatever. And he's able to initiate a miniature revergence and utilize some benefit, fly. Oh, that's fine. Whatever, right? But why I want it to be a charisma based ability is it's a, it's essentially a negotiation with Astarok, mm-hmm. right? He's and saying charisma he, represents your sense of self in yeah. the game. And he's saying, I'm... I'm here. I'm going to use a little bit of this land and a little bit of what you do in order to get myself out of this particular pickle. And seeing as how the world so heavily reflects perception, mm-hmm. anyway, that's how Iliaster works. It is affected yeah. by perception. The reason it's so dangerous to a lot of people is because they think it is. Yeah. So Verge Wardens don't see it. Now, I don't want it to become Verge Wardens are immune to everything. That's the thing. Yeah. I, again, I guess that's what we work through. But I like the idea that it's a charisma base because it's a, it's almost a negotiation with mm-hmm. the land. You then have the option to maybe make it. Well, you're pretty damn deep in the in the verge, and if you if you you're really deep, and if you try any of your little revergent tricks now, you're really pushing it because you know you're out negotiated. You've arrived at the you're 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 at the table, but you're on the wrong. You side You try to it. give yourself uh, stony skin to you know because you're about to get attacked by something, right? And you do it, and it's and you lose control of it. Yeah, you just intentionally turned yourself into a chunk of rock something like that but yeah. i just like the idea that it's a negotiation with the land you know like it's a negotiation with astrock i'm going to use some of your power now mm-hmm. you know to get out of here to do this thing because again I, I, they're definitely people of you know beings of the land mm-hmm. and i think that they're not going to be as intimidated by it. i don't know it was just an idea like, no I, and that's exactly how i i i like that idea like yeah. oh i'm gonna uh i've got a tuft of fur or, or a, a talon cat's Right. Uh, fang yeah. around my neck and I can grab grab that as one of my foci yeah. and, you know, grow fangs, grow claws temporarily. Yeah, yeah. So instead of it being like a ranger mixed, it's sort of like, again, it's like diet wild shaping. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it's sort of like a little bit of a, a lycanthrocope druidy mm-hmm. ranger who specifically focuses on offensive abilities. Right, and- because he's going to need to be strong. And mobility. Yeah. The only thing is where that runs into, and that's where it became a struggle for me. I was like, well, he's also going to have to, you know, how do you roll up that character? Because he's going to need the wisdom. He's going to need the wisdom for his perception because you're in, you know, it'll just be interesting. A paladin is yeah. a, uses strength yeah. as their primary stat. Mm-hmm. And charisma is all of their spellcasting. And yeah. it's a secondary stat. Yeah. There is, and it's very simple. That might, maybe you can make the Verge Warden more powerful. A ranger is all that already... Uh, multi-stat dependent. Yeah, um, that's true. That is so true. that, but that also might be a limiting factor. You might we might not be able to make it charisma based because it spreads the ranger too thin. Yeah, which yeah, would I mean, be a bummer. A ranger can drop intelligence. I mean, you could still keep the same thing. You know, the same premise for the negotiation. I just thought charisma would be a neat little mm-hmm. twist on it. 
but yeah, it'd be hard to roll it up. I was just kind of like, how would you, um, unless I was legit air quote rolling, um, awesome rolls. <laughs> like if I had like yeah. 16, 16, 17, you know, and that's, and right. And we have to take that into consideration when I'm thinking about design, I am always considering standard array. So, so was I, and, and they don't say it, but I'm like, I don't see how you could do it any other way. I don't know how you're going to hit on a, a balance if you don't take a standard array. I mean, a lot of people do point by, I've never done a point by. I did point by for build. my GIF. And did you find that more versatile? Well, because I knew exactly what I was doing with my GIF, it was easy. Gotcha. I was making somebody who was tough, fast, and strong, mm-hmm. very dim, and not very wise. Gotcha. And with a inflated sense of self. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, he's a, so he's a politician. Basically. Gotcha. Only he's well-intentioned. Yeah. <laughs> he's well-intentioned. Um, he just is well also, you know, in, inclined to blowing things up. So, I mean, in a different world, exactly. who wouldn't be? Um, hippos in space, man. Yeah. So we can, I think that our step forward, so if we have our Verge where we know it's offensive world mutation, mm. but I think that could extend, don't you think that it could also extend to other materials? Okay. Okay. So I imagine a, a scene where a Verge Warden is being, is guiding some people out and they're being attacked by a bunch of insects. He pulls them inside a cave and there's all these big nasty things coming. And so he pulls up a bunch of brush and he yeah. pulls it in front of the the mouth of the cave and the people are like do you think he's are you gonna like hide how are you gonna hide yeah you know they're gonna be able to see right through you he goes we're not hiding and he pulls all this brush in front of the cave and then he holds his hand against it and he turns all the brush to stone yeah that's awesome totally you know yeah he's, this is gonna be like the superman or the, <laughs> like it's gonna the superhuman uh, you know and again and, and but it kind of should be but that's fine yeah, like well, that's kind of the thing what am, what am I thinking now? It's, uh, what is it, Firestorm from DC Comics, who has the transmutation power? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So. Anything inorganic, he can pretty much create and change. So as long as it's not a living creature, he can't affect living creatures. Okay. You know, um, so I guess, strictly speaking, turning grass to, you know, brush to rock wouldn't work for Firestorm. But, like, Firestorm can't, uh, you know, replace your hand. Okay. He, he can't take a handful of coal and stick it on the nub. He can turn air into rock. He could do that. Yep, yep. So he's he's elemental focus only. Doesn't do anything organic. Maybe Dark Firestorm was able to do something screwy during Darkest Night, but no, he cannot do that. But it's still like that. So I get what you're saying. It's a good example of it. Yeah, or turn, you know, the ability to turn water into, you know, soil or just, yeah, yeah. Or he, to he cause could... things to grow. I, and again, a lot of this is going to overlap with Druid. And, and mm-hmm. so we really have to work hard, I think, to find the well, niche. Well, I think that's the problem. And I think that the difference, the, the, the similarity and the closeness between the Druid and the Ranger are probably why they're on the bottom list of things people play. Yeah. You know, really, it almost seems like they should just be combined. You know, in the next one, maybe you should just combine the two um, because they kind of fill such similar functions. What class are you? Nature guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, you give Ranger, it's a cooler name. That is a cooler name. I'm a Ranger. What kind of magic? Well, Rangers wield dru- uh, druidic magic. Yeah. You know, and that's what... You mean primal magic? Primal. I'll take primal. Because yeah, exactly. that's the new one, right? It's, it's for for not no longer oh, okay. one D&D, but just fifth edition's newest rule set. Yeah. Magic is arcane divine or primal oh and then primal yeah that's right because then don't sorcerers pull from primal no do, uh, they pull from arcane oh okay what about wizards warlocks? and sorcerers and warlocks? and warlocks are arcane so clerics then, and paladins are divine and then rangers and, rangers and, druids. and druids are primal and then bards can pull from everything bards i believe are arcane okay well that makes sense because the colleges yeah all right so so I think we can put together a good outline of what to have ready the next time we do an episode. Yeah, so in our next episode, we are mm-hmm. going to 
have uh, why don't we each write a couple of paragraphs you okay. want to do you have to write three paragraphs i'll write three paragraphs sure. of the fantasy okay yep we're we should pull up and print out some existing ranger subclasses mm-hmm. so and then create a blank template yeah here's our blank template the we need something for level this 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 and this yep etc yeah and exactly. then we need i think we should really focus on what is the key mechanic i think our key mechanic is going to be some sort of transmutation yes um, and if that's what it is, it's a ranger who changes stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, ultimately, it's sort of what we're dancing around. It's a ranger who changes stuff. Yeah. A tougher ranger who changes stuff and can ride talon cats. And can ride a gosh darn talon cat. <laughs> I almost feel like there need to be two classes of, of Vertorden. Well, we should make it not specific to talon cat. We should say that they are able to tame. And one of the things they get right. is, a, is a primal mount. Okay. And it is... And if you want a useless horse in the verge... If, if you, you want, want a, a horse, that's fine. You want to do a giant tiger, that's fine. But you can also do a talent cat, and why right. wouldn't you? Right. <laughs> I mean, and theoretically, there could be, you know, Pegasus. In we can, world. And we There's could give them a flying Griffin. mount, yeah. but not until a later level. Yeah, yeah. Always flying is always later. Flying is always later. Yep. What level does a wizard get fly? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I mean... And we'll... we'll I'm going to look that up. Yeah. We will have to that think about like, what level, level do you get fly? Yeah, and remembering that flying on a beast is better than fly the spell, because fly the spell requires concentration. Yeah, yeah. And if you Always get hit with, with an arrow while you're riding a flying creature, yeah. you don't automatically fall out of the sky if you roll bad. Yeah, you can just go ah. <laughs> Life. All right. So I think that's a plan. We've got I a think plan. It was fascinatingly similar between the two different. Yeah, approaches. I'm excited yeah. about that. So yeah, if you at home feel free to we'll look at the links to either of these videos, take mm-hmm. a look at them, and tell us what you think. Yeah. Um. We're a little bit on short, shorter of an episode today, but I don't really see that but as I think a problem. Yeah, I think we've definitely... Um, yeah. You know, I will say we did go to a... Why don't we take a moment and just slice the life a little bit? Uh, this week, we did play our Curse of Strahd game at a local... Um, That's right. At a local brewery called Harvey's Gardens. Right. I'm gonna, we'll put a link to it in the show notes for anybody um, listening who's a Syracuse person. And they were... Because they were doing a uh, board game day, mm-hmm. like a, a, a tabletop gaming day, just a gaming day. It was day. just a gaming day. And I believe day. it was hosted by the Bank Alley Social Club. Bank Alley Social Club, who we met up with, and they were very nice. Yeah, we're going to reach and out to And we will put a link to them as well. Um, but yeah, we played... Um, we played there. We were able to get a, you know, a tasty beer or two. Mm-hmm. And we were able to play on the tables there, and it was a really welcoming, cool environment. That was fun. It was a fun game too. Yeah, it was fun. And it, there is something, uh, you know, we were saying there is something about um, that it kind of corralled you into staying more, corralled us into staying more focused exactly. on the you game. You wasted less time. Yeah, you waste yeah. less time when you're like, oh crap, I only have until nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. When you when yeah, when people are going to close out, you know, you don't got to, you can't stay here. You don't got to go home or whatever, yeah. you know. But um, so that was pretty cool. You all, to, to you all survived that. and defeated Babala Saga. Yep. Even though um, it was touch and go there for a second, it was. It was. The, it was real close. <laughs> we had a lot of pre-strategizing. Yeah. Um. So thanks to your wife's stun, though, which was I knew going to be the clutch, most important thing. Mm-hmm. Stun, stun, stun. I was like, stun. Okay. okay. So um. Yeah. I think I think we're good. I think so we got a couple of nice uh, links again. Mm-hmm. If you're a Syracuse person, check those out. Harvey's Garden. It's a great place. Yep. Um. Oh, and as a uh, little aside, I noticed in the title. I think we have a really great abbreviation. For the name of this podcast, F Pop. Yeah, I think F Pop is F Pop. F Pop is really great. <laughs> F Pop reviews. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's did catchy. you like that? Yeah. F Pop reviews. Yeah. It's um, catchy. One of the other things we talked about at 
at the at the brewery. It's not a brewery. It's just a. It's not a brewery. It's a beer garden at the beer garden. Yes, at the beer, beer garden, garden. Yeah. was that the fourth pillar of play is possibly where one of the things we're going to be doing in this podcast is writing up an adventure yep. with some of our created monsters and things like that mm-hmm. to run some D and D nights at places like the beer garden. We'll have a couple of open tables going. Yeah, we want to be able to um, special, you know, to be able to. To be able to kind of create like a skeletal story that we can overlay different overlay over different venues, mm-hmm. you know, that and we might be able to go to. So we're going to definitely do Freight Yard because, of course, um, we are. Yeah, Freight Yard will be the first one because I was actually talking to Brian yesterday, and he was like, "Well, you guys are going to do that here." I'm like, "Well, we would do it here first, right?" You know, because especially because we can have the the train on the outside. Mm-hmm. That whole idea. There's so much to work. The with. so we're going to start doing some event organizing mm-hmm. to um, that that gels with the stuff that we're creating here in the podcast. Yeah. And kind of get our this forces us to get out there and yeah. and what's that that network? We got a um, network, Josh. Yes. We're going to do some networking. My ability is, scores are a little higher on that. Yeah. Not super high, but uh, I always remember to do it. You do. You do remember. Really the key. I'm like, oh, was, I got to talk to It was to very person. cute watching you whip out the, the little flyer. I was like, wait, this is what I'm supposed to do. I got to go down and talk to that lady who put a video up. So if you're a Syracuse person yeah. and you're listening, and uh, we'll, we will certainly announce when those are going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to have some F-pop live events. F-pop, see, um, it's catchy. F-pop live events, right? <laughs> at some at some local places. Not always breweries. We'll, we'll no, also pick no, some we'll, other places. Yeah, definitely. Game stores would probably be right up there with the yeah, place we should do. Game stores would be open to it. I think maybe possibly libraries. Yeah. Um, a little bit more community oriented. Yeah, I think so. that's. But I think that's all brilliant and a great yeah. way to expand out the hobby to other people mm-hmm. and just kind of like spread the word of the the joy that is F pop. Yeah, absolutely. See, it's catchy. I'm telling you, it's catchy. It's catchy. <laughs> all so. right, but I think other than that, that's going to be all of our time for today. So we want to take a whole bunch of time and thank you all for listening and supporting the show. Please mm-hmm. don't forget to uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts if that's your podcast player of choice. And Spotify and all yeah, those. Any, it, if you listen someplace where they allow you to rate, please rate. Yeah, it, and subscribe. It makes and subscribe. It, it really does. Gen- I mean, you hear every podcast say it. It really does make a difference. Yeah. It really does make a difference. So, so if you're interested in, in more information, you can check out uh, the semi-regular blog posts on our website. And we're, we also post the creations once those drafts are finished. Mm-hmm. Um, as we write them and review them before getting them up there. So that's www.fourthpillarofplay.com. All spelled out. All spelled out. And you can like and follow and message us on Twitter or Instagram or email us at info at fourthpillarofplay.com. But aside from that, I hope everyone enjoys the sunshine. Josh, I hope you enjoy the beautiful weather. Uh, I will. And I hope wherever you are, you have sunshine and beautiful weather. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you don't, it'll come. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. When you're in upstate New York after the winter, you just assume everyone is freed the same time you are. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah. thank you, Josh. And thank you, Talon, and everyone. We will, uh, what's our what's our tagline? We look forward That's right. to creating more with, with you. you. All right. Good night, everyone.